as soon as you get enough understanding about modeling, you get this very good habit of learning quick. Welcome to Lawagon Live. This week, we have Valeria Cortex-Diaz speaking to us, Senior Data Scientist at Monzo, online app-based challenger bank. Valeria is on the borrowing team at Monzo, building credit models and analysis to provide the best options for customers. Previously working with machine learning at Lloyds Banking Group, she's also an advocate of ethics and responsible AI. Keep listening to hear all about data at Monzo and about her career so far. So I just a bit of background from, from me. I'm originally from Bolivia in South America, but I had opportunity to study in Germany and I did their business informatics. I did find it initially very intimidating to do a lot of programming, even though it was a big part of my career, of my, of my studies. So after I finished, I thought, I think I'm going to be a great fit for product management. So I was product owner uh, at a startup company that was doing a lot of data aggregation and doing a lot of analytics as part of what they were selling as a product. I really enjoyed the work that my colleagues were doing and not so much what I was doing as a product manager. And what I was loving, what what, what they were doing was all the data visualization, the data engineering, the actual data science. So I thought, I really think I should take a year to retrain a bit and study something that it's a bit more practical. So I went back to university, did a master's degree, and would have focused on thinking, "Mm, I'm going to do a bit more data visualization. And then I realized that I love data science and I love the way that you could work around it. And therefore decided that by the end of my studies, I would certainly look for a job in, in data science. Was that um, was that a master's in computer science? It was a master's called business analytics. Need a lot of uh, emphasis on on data science, so doing a lot of uh, more statistical models all the way to more advanced machine learning. But it did not go as far as going into deep learning, let's say. Yeah. But it could equip us with all the right. Uh, skills and way of learning that is necessary. Following that, you got a job at Lloyd's, is that right? Exactly. Yes, yeah. that was my first job as a decision scientist. Sorry, yeah. as a data scientist. Mm-hmm. So did you find it easy following? Um, so obviously the degree was kind of your, your career change. Was it quite easy after you'd finished studying to, to get into that role? So I did apply. It, there was certainly a high demand. So just that yeah. with. So I was able just to properly look at the description of the different roles and try to identify the one that I thought, this is when I want, want to go ahead. What I liked about the Lloyd's uh, role spec at the time was that it was still quite general. So I joined a group of people that were doing machine learning for the bank, but it could address any business problem um, in, in the whole bank. And, and I liked that because it wasn't specific to marketing or to product yeah. or specific area. But it was overall, there's a high demand. And I think within a short period, you can learn quite a bit and express it through projects so that they, they believe you that you have the skills. So was there, there was a lot of machine learning involved? Um, a lot of statistical models and the more advanced ones from machine learning uh, yeah. that you cover in most courses. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that um, quite challenging to learn? Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> in the sense that you, I think compared to other subjects, you need to be, you need to set a lot of time because it takes so much effort just to get concentrated. Yeah. It's not something that you can say, oh, I'm just going to learn an hour a day. It doesn't mm. work that way. So you need to dedicate a lot of time to make sure that, that you eventually become good at it. 
So then from Lloyd's, was it straight to Monzo? How long, how long were you at Lloyd's? Mm. So I was at Lloyd's for a bit over a year. Yeah. And then I thought I would like to work at a company that I could just learn a bit quicker because of the way the technology is set up. So when when did you, what, what year are we talking here when you joined Monzo? This year, so I joined this year. lockdown. <laughs> yeah. So the country went into lockdown mid-March. Uh, mid and yeah, and I started... Uh, the first week of March. So. Wow. But yeah, until now, I still have not met many of my colleagues. Gosh, that's <laughs> tough. So, okay, yeah, so what's your, what's the kind of day-to-day like at Monza at the moment? So it depends at the state, I mean, on the stage of the mo- uh, of the project. So um, there's a lot of initial analysis you need to do, for instance, for your data sample that you're going to use for a model. Uh, it involves talking to a lot of different people and getting their views. So you have to do a much more analytical work at the beginning until you say, okay, I think this is how we need to define the target variable. This is how we're going to be incorporating the data and all that. Uh, and you get a lot of feedback on that. So that's the first bit. Then what happens is that you get into model mode, and then that's when you start applying uh, different models. You might look at... Uh, you might look at semantic, perhaps by different population groups, or you might say, oh, one model is enough, but you need to convince people from your decisions. So in addition to all the technical work, you have a lot of um, convincing to do with the rest yeah. of the part of the strategy. I forgot to mention during the sample side, what is fantastic about Monzo is that the data scientists also work on data. So we create our own samples and we deploy them as well very easily. Okay. That's very different as in other places. Yeah, is that quite unusual? Exactly. So I was just going to ask, what do you like most about working at Monzo? What I like the most is this great culture of collaboration. So it's so easy to ask people questions and ask them, could you put me through this or could you help me brainstorm what I have in my mind? And there's always just for an answer. So it's extremely collaborative. And because of the technology that we use, it makes it also very easy. So we jump immediately into a video call and we can just share our screens and, and collaborate together. So yeah. I think that's extremely unique and people are always eager to help you. It's a, I imagine it's a big a big data science team there. You'd be surprised. So it's not as huge as people would think. Uh, so we've grown quite a bit. I think at the time we, we I joined, we might have been a bit over 30 data scientists, but that also includes the data engineers because we don't okay. have any. Um, so depending on how, how you assess it, but I think we can... Yeah, I would have thought uh, more. Exactly, but, but we, we can deliver quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, when, when did Monzo start? Five years ago, I believe. I think it's, okay, so it's actually still quite young. Yeah, yeah 15, it's just, 15 years. just growing massively. Exactly. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in obviously Monzo is, is one of quite a few of these kind of new um, mobile banks, things like mm-hmm. this. Um so just, I guess data science is fundamental to, to all of those. Could you give an a, example of kind of a, maybe a project that you work on or like, yeah, just a kind of cycle of, of how that data science is, is actually realized? Yes. So I think data within Monzo, it's, a very, it's quite unique. So let me explain a bit more. We use a lot of BigQuery, uh, which is, I mean, the, the platform that we use to create any SQL query to create what we what we say data models. With data models, we mean any big chunk of samples that we need to analyze on a, on a daily basis, let's say, or very continuously. 
for instance, we might have something called uh, user stats where we have a lot of information at an aggregate level of our users and we can manipulate in a lot of ways. So when you're at it, when you are the data scientist at Monzo, you also play a big role as a data engineer, which is yeah. interesting and unique. Uh, on my role, I'm a bit also closer into predictive models. I work within credit. So my job in, involves building models that can decide, for instance, whether we should grant a user a loan or an overdraft and so on. So that, that's the kind of work that I do more closely. And within my area, it's a bit more of the conservative kind of models because we care a lot about interpretability. So if we are building a model to decide whether you get a loan, for instance, we need to be able to make sure, we need to be able to say why this model is coming to a specific decision. Yeah. Which is very different, for instance, if you're doing an image classification to double check the ID, in which case you might be able to apply deep learning because we don't care too much on describing you why we think that that's the right image or not. Yeah. Exactly. So it depends on, on the use case. We might use different kind of models. Yeah. Ones that I use uh, that I use more are, for instance, logistic regressions because they're more explainable. <laughs> okay. And um, I guess having worked at, at Lloyd's and Monzo, could you talk a bit about the difference in, in I guess, working there and maybe how they, how they both use data? So at Lloyd's, um, because it's such a big bank, it has 70,000 employees, Everything is a bit more segregated. And also, I was working basically as a consultant, as an internal consultant, which often meant that it was not easy for me to access data. Yeah. We were specific owners of data, and it would normally take very long to, to get grab of it. And once you would get it, you would basically get a specific sample, so you wouldn't build it yourself which also it's extremely different. You have access to nearly everything that, that is allowed to, or you can request access to a more sensitive one if the case is appropriate and you and you get it very, very quickly. But I think it's super important is that we also are part of the whole creation process. And that is very relevant because your models can only be as good as your data. So here we have a big emphasis that whatever the way that we're designing a data sample needs to be done in a proper way. I think that's so, a major difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rather than, than lots of different teams working on different bits of the project, it's a bit more, you're kind of involved the whole way through. Exactly, from beginning to end. And also we're very involved with the whole, I mean, what I work for instance at the moment is that I also do additional analysis to prove that my model is good, not only now, but also over time, or the things that we might look into in order to mitigate any risk. So that is fantastic because we, you're, you're so attached to your model that you can properly, you sort of know where there might be limitations or things that we need to be monitoring on the way. And yeah. Right. You say you're, because you mentioned you wanted to kind of learn a bit more quickly. That was one of your reasons for, for moving to Monzo. Would you say that's that's happening? Oh, uh, yeah. At times, yeah. too much. <laughs> because it takes several hours. <laughs> Yeah, so it's why I think that's, you can also hear that, I mean, what it was not bad at Lloyd's is that because everything takes a bit longer, you also have more time to breathe, yeah. <laughs> whereas at Monzo, everything should have been done yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a few questions as we go. So in terms yeah. of applying for data science position, how important are deep learning projects in your portfolio? Um, for that question, it depends where you are planning to work and also for what kind of role. 
So if your work practices me in credit, that is more the, the more traditional finance. There's no need to learn about deep learning. Maybe just say, oh, this, I mean, that it's not necessary at all. I mean, even if you don't have any experience, it will be okay. Um, I think it is more relevant when you're planning to do things such as uh, things that are less structured. So if you're, for instance, we, we had some people that were looking into, when we identify whether this is the right idea for the right person, you might be able to apply something there. But it really depends on the role and on the on the company that you're working at. But for instance, when I finished, when I finished my master's degree, I had never touched any deep learning project, and that was fine. In London in particular, because it's so focused on finance, it's normally not necessary. So don't worry about it. Even if you learn up to just traditional statistical methods, you're good. And also what is important is that as soon as you get enough understanding about modeling, you get this very good habit of learning quick. And therefore, it's never really a problem when you don't know enough. Other questions are... Any work use cases? I'm not sure what I what you mean with that. So if you could rephrase the question, that would be awesome. Uh, what is like starting a new job company remotely? It was really hard. <laughs> I think because I was the first, per- I mean, I'm one of the first people to, to start working remotely. Um, it can be intimidating. So if you ever do that, make sure to have a lot of, don't feel afraid of asking questions and setting a lot of meetings just to discuss what you're working on and to get the right feedback. Was was Monzo quite well set up? Yes. Working remotely? Yeah. Yes, it was really greatly, it was great set up. But I, if I would have done that again, I would have been more persistent having more conversations with yeah. colleagues to get more feedback and, and support. Then let me check. I think there's one from, how do you give us a business side news? I mean, the models analysis will be beneficial to do for the bank to generate profit. You do, I mean, for the question of Eduardo, you do a lot of analysis, even if, I mean, I think my my job basically is to create predictive models to say whether you should, I should run to an overdraft or not, or this risk assessment. But it is expected from us to also get involved with other, with other groups or do a lot of additional analysis to make sure that whatever we're building is also aligned with the company strategy. Um, whether I can specifically share what I'm working on, I think I might not be allowed to. <laughs> like I work on models to for credit risk, like whether we should run to an overdraft or a loan or that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so I recall reading an article about monsters running with losses during COVID. Has it had any impact? So this is an interesting part. It was a really awful moment that we had to experience together when there were a lot of redundancies in Monson during the beginning of the pandemic. It was really tough emotionally. Fortunately, the data team wasn't impacted. And that is because we were already understaffed. And also, it's really hard to find people with the right skills. So we were very lucky on that. And uh, that does not mean that it gives you that sense of what's going on in, in your surrounding. Mm. My wife is currently doing a bootcamp in data science. What type of custom project would work best for her portfolio? That is depending on where she will to work in the future and finding something related. It's always a great case. Yeah. 
Yeah. So maybe we can continue through the questions and then I can carry on after with yeah. the good way of doing it. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of on that note as well, as someone who is also just starting a boot camp, um, obviously we, so on the wagon, we, the data science is all Python based to begin with. Um, what kind of languages would you recommend to others that want to get involved? I think probably lots of people here are maybe thinking about doing boot camps or have started. Um, is Python kind of the, the one to go for? Is there anything else you'd recommend? Yeah, well, we use Python. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a great one to start with. It, it depends sometimes on the company, but Python, I think that's the, the, main, the main convention, but you also see a lot of R. Yeah. For instance, at university, we were asked to, to learn both. But I think if you start with just Python or potentially just R, you're good to go. Moreover, at times, the role, roles uh, in the different companies, they, I mean, when you're applying, they often tell you Python or R are good, and but we use Python, let's say. But then the idea is that you can get very easily used to the other language. They're mm. not that different, so you can easily pick it up. R is... is use a lot for kind of statistical modeling, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, I, I do find it a bit nicer for statistical models, but what happens is that when you're building something can be that you need to deploy more easily, I think Python is slightly better. But anyway, if you're just starting, any of the two are good. If you oh, have yes. a dream company, check what they're using, but you can easily switch between one and the other, so don't worry about it. Can you, what other languages can you code in? So I use well, Python and R, but yeah. I think another one that is super relevant is SQL. Yeah. That's the standard language that we use for any, I mean, whenever you're building samples. So having some essential um, understanding is always a big Yeah. Better. Every job I look at has SQL as a desirable exactly. skill. It's always there. <laughs> yes. I think as soon as you know SQL plus Python or R, you're good. Yeah. I think Python, everyone wants, Python's a bit flashier to learn. <laughs> SQL is, uh, is as important. They're both really important. And yeah. it's really interesting. When I first, before joining Monster, I thought I'm going to do a course on Google Cloud Platform in Monster. And, and I was sort of skipping the parts where it's like too essential for SQL data parts, but it's actually really powerful. Yeah. What happens is that when you have a huge data set, you want to do a lot of pre-processing in, in SQL or in BigQuery in our case. And that helps a lot to speed up the process of building a model. And I'm, yeah, I sort of regret not having put more emphasis before. <laughs> yeah. Do you use Google Cloud at Monzo? Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's helped quite a lot. Exactly. Oh, that's really good. Yes, we yeah. use Google Cloud Platform for everything. I mean, we store our data, our nice data there. But in the very back end, every time that you interact with the Monza app, what we call the unsanitized um, events, which basically tracks whatever you did with the app, they go to AWS, so Amazon Web Services, and they're stored there, which we call the unsanitized data. Everything is very raw. And then it gets all nicely formatted and it ends up in BigQuery so that it's easily accessible by any data scientist. Okay. Um, shall I find a couple of questions? Um, George asks, what's the recruitment process for kind of data science or engineer analysis role at Monzo? So it involves the middle of, of the whole process, which follows very much, very, very similar to the pattern of other companies. 
you are first invited to an initial, well, you first need to send your CV. And if they see that you match the requirements and, and they like it, then they invite you for the initial call. In the first call, you just have a conversation about why do you want to apply for that role? Why do you want to be part of Monso? What excites you about the project, about the product? And so, you know, this very high-level kind of questions that are easy to answer. If they, if everything goes well, which is normally the case, then you get invited to do a practical project. So they send you a homework with a, with a data sample, and they ask you to answer a specific question through data and also to prepare a presentation. That is super key, and that takes you to the final uh, the final interview process, which is about three hours maybe, where you just have three different interviews, one a bit more technical and two others that just assess you more about the cultural fit and your general strategy knowledge. Okay. Um, on that note, I guess uh, Michael asks, in your opinion, what are the main qualities that individuals in your field look for when they're joining a startup? Um, to attract and hire data scientists, what, yeah. what should you be doing? Yeah, I think they, they really look about checking what you feel excited about what you do, if you're passionate about it, and also if you love what the company is doing. So they, they, they try to balance it out between the two because they want to make sure that you're the right fit for the culture, but you also have the right uh, technical skills. So it will certainly be a balance of the two. They're also looking to check that you are that you can own your own projects and that you will take care of them independently. And you can always ask questions and everything. Yeah. Make sure that you're willing to drive you know, your own development and, and the work around the company. Yeah. Um, and I guess on kind of the reverse, what what was it that you liked about Monzo? Well, I think if I I first loved the product. I think yeah. I loved it. I used it on a daily basis. But I was mainly attracted to the mission to make money work for everyone. I think that was my, my, my major drive. I had read a lot of different blogs. I loved the fact that I had created, for instance, a blocker feature for gambling. So that if you had bonus in the past, you can actually block that. We had also created special functionality to assist asylum seekers uh, that normally remain unbanked. And that's where really, I don't know, they, they sold my heart in that way. Yeah. And I felt that's a kind of company where I can, I, I feel that I'm working towards something important, but I can also apply the, the, the skills that I love having and, and developing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, as a Monza user as well, it, it feels like mm -hmm. um, I, get, I get sent their kind of ethics code quite often. <laughs> it does feel like they're, they're trying. Is that, um, is that something think is is kind of important do wait so obviously for you you were looking for somewhere that you felt was ethical and doing some exactly some yeah work. yes and something that really drives me now is that because i'm working within the group that looks into borrowing so everything that is loans overdrafts and so on and we often say we need to bring the months of style the months of way into borrowing which yeah. we always think about like a very traditional bank that will have a lot of small letters on the contracts and we might trust really well. We want to bring the trust and the most weight of helping our customers in the best way and making actually borrowing something very responsible as part of our core business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a bit of a, a segue from that, but kind of like, mm -hmm. um, you're quite a strong advocate of kind of ethics and responsibility and AI. 
Um, could you talk a bit about what you're involved with there? Yes, yes. So this started actually with university. So as part of my final project, I wanted to, I was aware of all the great potential that machine learning can bring, but also about the challenges, in particular, how it can impact society. I'm very concerned about, I mean, we all know that we need data in order to build models, but data is very limited to specific groups of people, and it can create a huge problem on specific segments. So you've probably heard about policing, for instance, that it really affects specific segments of societies more badly than others. We are aware that because historically there's been a lot of discrimination and bias towards, for instance, the Black community, then what happens when you actually decide to build a model is that it only reinforces certain biases and then the model might tell you, you need to go and look after these areas. But it has a disproportionate impact uh, on different groups of people. The same can happen in finance, in hiring, in education, and, and all over. So I decided to work my final thesis on understanding how we can actually assess fairness and in, in classification models, in particular in credit lending. And that's something that I like to work on also at Lloyd's, so making sure that we have a way of assessing whether the model that we're building can have disproportionate impact on different groups of people. And it's something that now I'm also bringing into most of it. I think it's extremely important. Making yeah. that, for instance, as we borrow money, that we do it in, in such a way that is responsible and fair to different groups of people. Could you um, maybe give an example of, of how Monzo is doing that? Or Lloyd's maybe? Or... Yes, so there are different ways that you can actually do it. So there are a lot of existing tools that you can import. So there's IBM Finance, there's some elements in Google. And loads, we had a dedicated group called Responsible AI, and we were developing actually our own tools to assess fairness. So that, let's say, whenever you are giving loans to people, you're giving it proportionally well to everyone. But let's say that, I mean, to, to the people that can actually repay back, mm. and when you do mistakes, that you do mistakes also at the same error rate. So that was more about detection. I think something that is great at Monso is that we work very closely with data and we do a lot of discussions when we build our own sample. And we try to really push ourselves to think about where do we see some biases? Where do we see some light spots that we need to fill? Because at the end of the day, it's not only your model, it's a whole solution that you need to look at. Yeah. We might be benefiting white group or the other. And given my knowledge now, I, yeah, I do like looking a bit deeper in the data and see what's going on in different groups. Nice. Um, a couple of questions, I guess, that you can't answer that. How do you know and ensure that um, the data you use to underpin your decision models do not contain biases? Do you oh. check to these? Yeah, that's really hard. Um, yeah. You can sort of try to see what is the representation. For instance, at, at most of we know our customer base is very young, so... We always look for instance at proportionals. We might include also external data so that uh, when we build our samples, we have enough representations of different groups while also thinking in the back of our heads that we need to consider our main or main group. You can analyze it, but what you normally do is that once you finish building your model, what you can look at is that the performance by segment. So let's say you have age, you might see how does my model does based on these different age segments. 
and we can see whether the metrics are relatively similar or if they might be quite different, in which case you might need to go back to your data, try to resolve it, and then go later to the model upward until you feel that there's enough fairness in the model. Um, should take a couple more questions. Yeah, let's get some likes. Um, Oscar asks, do you think that fintech companies such as Bonzo will eventually come to entirely occupy the current market position of the traditional banks? Um, well, I will say, unfortunately, not yet, but I think it has a big potential. Yeah. Um, of course, why? Because I work at Monzo and I have a great, uh, I love what they do and the way that they do it. So I think we have a great competitive, competitive advantage to get really big and, and do good for society. So I think we're at a good point, but what, what's going to end up is that being is that at one point we're going to be, I think, in the same position as in the big banks that we not only do the normal day-to-day -day, uh, banking, but uh, we might be able to provide mortgage in yeah. one way that all the huge banks do. So there's still a way to go, but I think we're in a great position to grow to that potential. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess on that note, obviously it feels like the big banks are trying to modernize mm -hmm. um, do you think they're going to be able to do it fast enough and, and well enough <laughs> in such big companies i think it's really hard because yeah. the underlying technology that they use so they do have a lot of policy rules and, and they're, they're always very concerned about migrating stuff and it takes really long so even talking about the cloud it's not widely spread out across the more traditional banks so for Monzo, that's super easy. And I think we are growing in such a way that we know that we should be easily be able to migrate any tool that we use. And there's a lot of emphasis on that so that we're not locked into specific technology. I mean, at the end of the day, what makes Monzo great is our fusion of tech with banking, which is what I think banks lack at the moment because they're locked to specific technologies that they need to realize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does Monzo feel like a a tech company doing finance. Yes, so yeah. I think what, what it makes us great is our fusion between tech and, and yeah. I think that's usually what, what what we always look into. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll do a couple more. Um, what are the main business benefits that you see technologies like machine learning and AI and deep learning bringing to a, an organisation in the financial market? Right. So I think what it's, what's great is whole revolution is that we have a lot of data. <laughs> we have a lot of very interesting data on the customers. And being able to deploy solutions that automatically can detect and make decisions, that's where it can cost, it cost costs a lot, but also support even internal tools. So, I mean, I think that, that that's a great side of technology that it's not only what customers sees, but also how you deploy it inside. A few examples are, for instance, we have a huge, well, not a huge, it's our customer operations group, for instance. We are always making sure that everything that they do is aided by technology, such as, for instance, when they're answering our questions, they have something like they, they start typing in, and then they can they have like a very cool shortcut that it already completes. And that saves a lot of seconds, but at an aggregate level, you will say, great, mm -hmm advantage because we can provide you the great services we have at a lower cost. So cost, cut, cost cutting is, is a perfect example. In terms of excitement about models, um, 
it's not as much as in other industries. I think in healthcare, you can apply very cool image classification stuff. But within the more I mean, traditional financial sector, it's still a bit more conservative, but you can still build great stuff. And at the end of the day, it's about the whole solution, not just the model that needs to be right. And I think that's where Monzo Excel is at. Yeah, I was going to ask just, just for myself. As a, as a data scientist, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like Monzo, because you're working on the whole project, it's not just being able to do the data science, yeah. even just to analyze it. Are you often having to kind of put those into reports and talk about those quite intricately? Yes. Actually, sometimes to people that maybe aren't as well-versed with the data, I'd imagine. Um, what is interesting is that, I guess for our group, we don't have, people are very used to data and analysis. Yeah. So there's no need to educate them about that. Okay. Fantastic. Which is very different in many other companies that you will talk to consultants, for instance, and they will say 80% of our time is just teaching other groups. Yeah. It's fortunately not the case at Monzo. People are very used to working with data, especially in my group, because they're all on the list. Also the people who are driving strategy. So it's very easy to just have the conversation on how to do the best analysis. And it involves a lot of thinking and expert judgment. And you build that a lot on the way. So in my case, I was not, I didn't have any experience with credit, but it's something that I'm learning on the way. And at times I'm like, how am I supposed to answer this? But you have the right support and and the right guidance so that you can come up yourself with the right answer. Yeah. Uh Within Monzo, what are the differences between the responsibilities of like a standard data scientist and a senior data scientist? I think you you do have some. I think that the amount of work where you need support versus the one that you are leading can be quite sort of like the difference. Yeah. I'm not able to respond to this question very well because I find that as soon as you join, you get so much responsibility <laughs> and it's hard to know who is a senior and who isn't. Yeah. Really hard to know. So uh, I don't even I, I don't even know who's a senior or yeah. in, in the team. What I find a bit more different is that the, you don't have more like a, a leadership team and they normally drive a bit more to wrap up and, and you can detect that a bit more easily. And those are the people that you normally report to. But otherwise, between a senior and somebody who's not a senior, you cannot notice a difference. Yeah. You get so much responsibility from day one that I, I think I wouldn't be able to, to know who, yeah. who's senior and who's not. Do you have do you have junior data scientists or no? They're not called junior. Uh, so it's impossible to know. Yeah. People get up to speed so quickly and they can just yeah. great stuff. And they also get the right support that I, I'm I'm not able to differentiate between the two. Yeah. Is it quite a young team? It depends on the area. Uh, because I work in credit, I feel it's an area where you need a lot more experience. And you, you need certain people to have much more experience. Yeah. So possibly we are maybe among the teams that is not as young as others. But yeah, I mean, the, most of our people, I mean, we, we as we grow, the more leadership roles that where you see people with more experience, which is great. But I think Monzo started with a very young uh, group of colleagues, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, it tends to be a bit on the younger side, but as more groups develop, they need more experienced people that are correlated with age. Yeah. Do you do, mm-hmm. is there like a Monzo graduate scheme, internship program? We don't, but we right. do encourage people to apply even if they, yeah, 
I mean, there's no broader program. Yeah. We need to look at a spec and yeah, you got a lot of responsibility from day one. So yeah. Um, we've got quite a few technical questions here. Uh, Kay asks, do you still do work on um, models after the models deployed in the production? And is MLOps within the scope of your role as a data scientist? Um, so do we work a lot on it? So we do a lot of monitoring. Because I'm in credit, what is interesting is that you can only see the outcome of your models later. And we, I mean, I mean, I'm predicting whether people will go bad or not, or whether they will default or not in eight months' time. So yeah. that's I need to wait, let's say, eight months to have my first cohort of <laughs> so it's actually are you still are you still waiting at the moment i'm on zone <laughs> i mean I, we were having a discussion today where we we're talking about monitoring and we we're thinking like does it make sense to make it now when we need to let's say a year or so to get an idea of what's going on yeah, gosh. <laughs> exactly so we the way because we're such a young company and we're just now starting to deploy the, the, the more relevant i mean the, the very relevant models at times we need to wait uh so we, we, we're not like deploying a thousand models at a yeah. time. At least not in this case. Also because we're crazy, we're heavily regulated. So to launch one model, we need to answer a huge amount of documentation in for, for internal purposes and also for the FCA, which is the Financial Conduct Authority. What was the second part of the question? Um, is MLOps within the scope of your role as a data scientist? At the moment, on the data side, yes. So we deploy our own data samples and everything that is analytical and needs to be available every day. That's done by us. On the model deployment side, it's still a mix. So there's some group of people that they do it themselves. In our case, we get assistance from engineering. The reason being is that the backend of the Monzo app is developed in Go uh, and, and not in Python which means that they, they do something called microservices that I'm not uh, very knowledgeable about, but that's how we can interact between the, the real-time data and everything that you see on the app. However, when we build our own models, they're done in Python. So we, we have to basically collaborate with them so that they can deploy our model. However, in the future, the, the intention is for, I mean, the, what we really would like to be at is a position where we can upload our own models and self-serve from the data that is available. Um, we'll do one more, one more technical one. But at this stage of Monzo's life, um, how much of the company's attention is actually centered on kind of UI, UX, as opposed to data and business and strategy? Right. Um, we work separately on that end. So there's a huge emphasis on both. We don't, just to give up your, oh, maybe I can explain the structure of Monzo. So we are part of the data team. The data team consists of all the people that are the very traditional data engineers that work with the backend, which are just very few. They yeah. lead the data strategy. But we also have data scientists for product, marketing, customers operations, the credit where I'm at, and there might be another open fitting client, for instance. And the people that work within possibly, I mean, mainly product, they interact more often on a daily basis with the people that build the actual app because they need to run a lot of A-B testing, for instance, and they need to analyze, okay, is this user interface doing better than this other? They will be the ones that work a bit closer to, to UX. I wouldn't say they necessarily drive the UX, but they need to collaborate as they do the experiments. Okay. 
Um, expansions plans into the US for the data team? Oh, so we do have a, um, an office there. I think yeah. where we are at is, I think it's looking into the, the banking license. When you establish a new uh, company as well, so you need to aim to get a banking license and that can take some time. Okay. It requires a lot of regulatory processes. So I think that's where, where Monzo is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because so Monzo, um, they, they, you do loans, right? You do, how, what, what, what are you not offering that a traditional bank is offering? So we do provide current accounts. Uh, we provide overdrafts and loans. We don't do yet things such as what credit card is one of the obvious and uh, mortgages. So the ones were, and the reason being is that you might need to require a lot of more capital. Yeah. And because we're so much smaller, uh, we, we're not doing it at the moment. But I could imagine that in the longer term future, I mean, that that's where it's in months ago and towards being able to offer all different kinds of financial yeah. services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one for me. So obviously there are a lot of um, kind of Monzo-esque banks in the UK, at least now. Um, do Monzo like, or you or the data team, are you paying much attention to what other people in the area are doing? Is there, are you kind mm-hmm. of doing your own thing? Are you kind of trying to take ideas or whatever? We, we of course, we, we're always aware what the other ones are doing. Yeah. I think a big difference is, of course, it's important to do it the months away. Yeah. We do have a huge culture that is very well defined. And I think to whatever we do, I mean, for instance, overdrafts and loan, it's not that it's unique to a specific company. Yeah. We're providing I mean, all the financial services, that they're super old. But we want to make sure that it's done in the way that works with our mission and vision. So we want to make sure that whatever we design uh, it really supports all members of society and that we do it in the most innovative way so that everyone is welcomed and gets a great uh, customer service. That's a good plan. Um, someone asks, as a genius data scientist, in what type of company and sector would you advise to work? It's quite, quite a broad one, I imagine. But... The great thing about data science is that you can end up working anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> in the sense that you need data science everywhere, right? You can work in healthcare, you can work in finance, education, even in, in arts or, or fashion. I mean, everything is online now. I would suggest you to look into an area that you're driven by. I mean, I think in my case, it was me. It's not I was the most excited person about finance, but I love the company. Yeah. I believe in it. And I think that was a huge drive for me. So I recommend to see where you have a passion, either for the company or, or for the area of work. And as you are starting to become a data scientist, you work on projects perhaps that are related so that when you get to your interview, doing the questions and answers is a bit easier. Um, yeah, would you say you're like a, a passionate data scientist or passionate mm-hmm. about what Monzo are doing? It's a combination of both. Yeah. So I certainly... I love coding. I can spend a lot of time just making sure that things work, in, that things work and that yeah. the information I need. But at the same time, I, I love the company where I work at. So I think that drives me to actually work, work longer working hours or be more critical about the way that I'm working. Yeah. So having a combination of both is fantastic. And that, that can take you really long. That, that can take you really far in, in your career. Yeah. 
do you do code in your spare time? I've done several courses. I think the past few months have been very intensive months yeah. <laughs> that I haven't been able to do any additional um, additional work. But I think it's also because it's I've been learning a lot in, in the company yeah. itself. So that's taken over. But otherwise, doing additional courses, it's has been a great experience. Yeah. What I find is that as soon as you get into data science, uh, you never stop learning and you can easily pick up new things. So if you do, for instance, a deep learning course, it's way easier. Or if you want to learn about neural networks, which is something I did not learn in university, then I can easily do a course on Coursera or a Lepagon or anywhere where you, you like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask where, where do you tend to find your courses? It feels like for me, when I, I graduated in June, mm-hmm. I had a long period of not having much to do. So I was doing lots of online courses and things. Mm-hmm. And there was almost too many to choose from. Every topic was just like... At least ten different websites or companies offering yeah. the same thing. Um, is there any way you'd recommend any particular courses you'd recommend? I really like Coursera. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's usually my first place to go to. But depending on what you want to learn, it's always worth asking. Yeah, I've done something similar, and they might point you out to the course that they really like. Because it can happen that that you might not super like the structure, even though it's the right course. So you just need to find whatever works best for you. But start start by asking somebody who might have done a course in the area. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, should we take one? We've got one last question. Tips you have for coding challenges? For coding challenges? Um, patience. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be the first one. Make sure you have enough time so you can dedicate the right amount of effort into it. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good one. In terms of current challenges for if, let's say, you're applying for a hackathon or for a job, make sure to, to be in a quiet environment where you can focus on it and, and not be distracted by anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd definitely say three days into my boot camp, I'd say patience is a, I is think, an important one. <laughs> exactly. I think something that happens is that like, I, I had a friend of mine who did marketing, but then we did a master's together. And she, she couldn't explain why it was so much more difficult. And I think we come up with, a, with the answer that it was in marketing, you might not get blocked. I mean, you might need to study very, very, for several hours, but you're not necessarily blocked because it, it's easier to, to capture. With coding, if there's a bug, you might spend three hours and might not go nowhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you need a lot of patience to, and then be able to solve things. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Wagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button.